just you, he went from being the official, the president, to that private moment in, on, on a moment's notice. Exactly, and, and, and President Bush allowed me. He really trusted my presence uh, in terms of photographing his private moments. You know, not only as commander chief, but as a as a father, as a husband, as a dog owner, uh, as a son. Um, you know, one of the first moments on the very first day, that historic moment of he and his father standing in the Oval Office for the first time. You know, only the second son of a president to become president. And uh, and even any time his father would visit, to me it was like this magical moment, you know, that these two presidents standing together, you know, they look so alike, you know, really, really uh, drew my attention. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, anytime, I almost had too much access, because access because I would always leave early just to give him time to be alone with, with his family. Uh, but I would always, you know, try to, try to take an opportunity to, to make an image and then leave. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Thank you for joining us for another episode of American Potential. You know, capturing special moments with your family is something that you cherish. But what if capturing moments of history was your job? Well, today's guest has a passion for photography, and it started at a young age after a trip to San Francisco. So while he was in high school, he worked on the yearbook staff and eventually attended college to become a photojournalist. Following his college years, he contributed to various newspapers and news agencies. His assignments had him traveling around the world to photograph events from the World Cup to natural disasters and civil unrest. Now, it's likely that you've seen his photography because for eight years, he worked at a very famous Washington, D.C. address. Now, his job allowed him to capture the most personal as well as historic moments and provided a unique behind-the-scenes perspective on one of America's darkest moments in history. I want to welcome Eric Draper to the show to talk about his career and working at the White House as President George W. Bush's chief photographer. Eric, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so what what a unique story. When this first idea came to me to, to have you on, I, I jumped at it. It wasn't even a thought. I thought, man, you must have just incredible stories, and I'm really anxious to hear them and to, and to get right into it. Um, but what was it about photography that that kind of made you want to make a career out of it? You know, um, it was something that I thought was fun. You know, it was a creative outlet for me. Um, it was um, it was a hobby. Um, and when I started to pursue it as a career, it really didn't feel like a job to me. So, you know, it was a great uh, avenue for me to pursue. Um, but I think for the most part, it, it was just um, just fun. I mean, I really enjoyed um, the people, the subjects, the events that I photographed, and um, you know, and I, you know, I owe it to my my family for encouraging me because they they were my first subjects, so they were always uh, annoyed at me photographing them around the house and everywhere. Actually, <laughs> well, that it brings me to a question. I did you, you know, a lot of people can't take a picture for anything, and there's there's just like no natural talent there, and some people have just amazing talent and a great eye for photography. 
Would you consider yourself as someone who had that from an early age or was it something you had to learn through you know, um, your education? That's a good question. I, I think I did have uh, some God-given talent, to be honest. Um, I think um, family-wise, my father was an artist. Um, my, uh, my sister is a uh, wardrobe artist. So there's there definitely some creativity in my background, in my family. So I think that helped. And then, um, you know, naturally when my mom would frame these, these first photos that I took, you know, you talk about that, that trip to San Francisco when I was in the YMCA, I was, I think I was 12 years old and, um, and she decided to frame them on the wall and they, they looked pretty good, you know, in the frame. And, <laughs> and that's what I thought, Hey, well, you know, this is, this is a fun, a fun hobby. Let's, uh, let's do more. And I, and I ended up having a, a dark room in my house and really kind of pursued it as an, as an art form. So that, effort led you to become the chief white house photographer for president bush tell me how you got that role and what did that entail well that, that's the most frequent question that, that i get is you know how do you get a job like that yeah, I was right. really, uh, very um, blessed to be in that position um you know back when i was a staff photographer with the associated press uh, i would cover politics every presidential cycle in 96 i was on the dole campaign Four years later, um, uh, the AP, I guess, decided me to, to stick me again with the Republican candidate. And that was, um, uh, Governor Bush from Texas. So it, it started out as an assignment. You know, I was among the many journalists traveling on the road, nearly, um, you know, 16 months, uh, on the road. Uh, and, um, that's when, um, um, at the very end of it all, that's when I decided to, um, to throw my name in the hat for the job when I realized I had a shot at it. And actually, if it wasn't for the recount, you might, y'all might remember yeah. the election was not decided that night. Um, during the time, that time period, that's when I decided to uh, go back home after the, after the campaign and rest. I was just curious, you know, just calling around the country. And the more I investigated, the more I realized I had a shot at this position. And, um, and that's what I did. So I, you know, they say timing is everything. Yeah. So, um, I discovered I was invited to a Christmas party in Austin, Texas, and it was perfect time. And Gore had just conceded, uh, president Bush or governor Bush was president elect Bush now. So I decided to take a page out of his playbook because during the campaign, he had a stump speech and he would always say, I'm going to look you in the eye. I'm going to ask you for the job of president. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to walk up to the, to the president elect at the party and look him in the eye and ask him for the job. And that's what I did. And I said, I looked him in the eye and I said, you know, thank you for inviting my wife and I to the party. My, my wife would have like, like was directing me to make my move. You know, go now, go now. So I ended up um, standing in front of him and I said, you know, I want to be your personal photographer. And I didn't blink. And he looked at me like he didn't, he had never thought about it before. He looked away and it was a very long handshake. And he said, you know, I really appreciate that. I'll get back to you. And it all happened very quickly. A week later, I'm back in Austin, Texas interviewing for the job uh, in front of uh, chief of staff, Andy Card. So it happened very fast. Wow. So he, he must, obviously he must have had some conversation with Andy Card or someone after that encounter. Wouldn't you imagine? I think, I think he did. Um, yeah. you know, I, I, and when I look back, I think he realized, you know, I had a, he had the, uh, the opportunity to spend time with me as a journalist. You know, I was basically a professional journalist. Uh, that, that was our relationship. But he knew maybe that I could fit in. He knew my work. He knew more about me than I knew about him, to be honest, <laughs> uh, on the personal side. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that was an advantage. 
Yeah. Well, that's a fascinating story. You know, I a couple of times got to meet President Bush uh, and and I always found him so and I anxious to get into these questions with you, but I always found him so personable. Like you, you almost you had to keep your guard up a little bit because you almost wanted to call him W. He made you feel so comfortable to do that, that you wanted to, you know, you wanted to be respectful and call him President Bush. And I remember a moment kind of like yours where I met him at a White House Christmas party. Myself and my wife were there and I turned around and they introduced me to him and he was president at this time. And uh, he just looked at me, you know, once my, once the Marine said my name to him, he looked at me and he said, you're one of my county co-chairs, just like that, you know? And I was just, I was stunned that he like knew who I was, but it just, he, he had a way of kind of taking away, uh, you know, the aura of who he, who he was. Did you find that in him? Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, he really had a God given talent of connecting with people at any level. He had a great way of breaking the ice. Uh, he once told me that he said, I I really read people really well. He does. I mean, I, I saw it for eight years. Um, uh, I saw, you know, from a janitor in the hallway to the king of Saudi Arabia, he had a, a unique way of connecting with people and, and his timing was perfect. I mean, he used humor mostly uh, to connect with people. And, uh, yeah, he, he had a great way about himself in, in order to, to talk to people. So you're the white house photographer and I, I do want to get into, you know, George W. Bush, the person, what you saw. So I'm sure you have fascinating stories, but tell me what a typical day would be like uh, for you in that in that job. Well, you know, there was always a typical day at the White House, a typical day on the road. Uh, you know, the ranch had its own schedule. Camp David had its own schedule, but but it would typically run on time uh, on on East Coast time. And um, I had the president's personal schedule, his private schedule, and it would start very early. He was an early morning guy. He would go to bed at early at night, wake up early. Um, so I was always uh, in my office or out waiting for him to walk out of this, his private residence and and just follow him, to be honest. And I, you know, knowing his schedule, I kind of knew when things started, but uh, but I would just follow the schedule. Um, a lot of the very important meetings would start uh, early in the, in the Oval Office, you know, the, the Intel meeting, uh, meeting with his staff, meeting with the chief of staff, meeting with the vice president. Then he would go into some... Um, some social meetings with either friends or family or official, you know, the meeting of the Boy Scout of the Year or something like that. Then, then typically there are events in the afternoon at the White House in the East Room. Let's say there is uh, the uh, the baseball World Series champion visiting the White House. Stuff like that would happen in the afternoon. Uh, and then more meetings uh, into the afternoon. And of course, there are social events in the evening as well. Um, there could be a black tie dinner. You could be a social dinner, uh, private dinner with family and friends. So it would go all day, uh, his schedule. And so did you have just unfettered access to this? I mean, you talked about some of those meetings. Did you did you sit in those meetings or would you wait outside or what, what was your access like? I would say most of the meetings I had full access to in terms of uh, my attendance. But uh, the, the Intel meetings, for example, I had, I had top secret clearance. But there are uh, meetings that are higher level than, than my clearance. So the president would I, would allow me to photograph the very top of those meetings and then I would leave. Um, and typically my 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 code, his sign to me was uh, he would always say, thank you, Eric. Or uh, sometimes if, if it was a very intense meeting, uh, he would just look at me. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of nonverbal <laughs> communication between he and I. You know, he didn't always have to talk to me. So because I 
you know, when you watch someone for eight years that closely, um, you know, for example, uh, just the, the tone of his voice, I would know what kind of mood he's in. Um, you know, so I, I found ways to work in, in, in his vicinity around him in order to, to not, uh, not always be in a space with the camera. So, uh, so yeah, it was very, uh, a very unique position to be in because the White House photographer, my job was not to really interact with the president. You know, most people at the White House were there to brief the president, to tell the president, uh, you know, their knowledge of what to do. And he would make his decisions. My, my job was to be the, the professional observer and to stay out of his way, you know, to be honest. Um, so, uh, it was a very unique position to be in a lot of, a lot of dancing around, um, to be honest, uh, a very, very unique position to be in. And you say that, I mean, you tried to not be a part of the story, if you will. You were just kind of capturing the story of his everyday life. But were there moments where he tried to pull you in? Like, you know, for instance, if he's playing horseshoes, what, did he ever look over and go, Eric, do you like playing horseshoes? I mean, was he that kind of a person? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would, you know, when there's time, downtime, he would uh, invite you to hang out with him, like, uh, Either you know mountain biking at the ranch, or uh, or just going for a walk um, on the south lawn, or playing with the dogs. Yeah, definitely, uh, he definitely would would uh, have his downtime, and and there would be a time for him to connect with him, or you know. So yeah, he, he definitely had those those very short moments. But then back to the the serious seriousness of the presidency. Did he know? Did he know about your family? Did he ever ask you like just personal oh, yeah. things? Yeah. Very personal. Matter of fact, uh, he made my wife move to Washington early <laughs> because <laughs> my wife was back in New Mexico, uh, and um, he, he told me he said, "You know, where's your wife?" And, he, and, he, and I said, "Well, she's back in New Mexico. Well, get her on the phone because I, I don't be, want to be responsible for a, a divorce." So he got on the <laughs> phone. And he's like, "He's like, where are you? Get you know, get get your hey, get get over here, you know." So, um, uh, so yeah, that that led to her uh, getting to Washington sooner than later. So I imagine your wife was a little bit stunned when she got a call from the president of the United States. She was. She was. She, I don't think she believed it when the operator called her. <laughs> That's great. Those are great stories. Do you have a favorite detail about the Oval Office itself? Um, I think just the, the, the light in the Oval Office is incredible, especially uh, during the winter. The sun would just pour through those very tall windows and create some very dramatic uh, lighting effects. Um, in the Oval Office, you know, the, the, the Oval Office desk, the, the famous Resolute desk was right next to those windows. So I really enjoyed um, uh, being creative with that lighting, uh, especially in the mornings. Um, and um, uh, the Oval Office itself is just unique. You know, the, the, uh, the, the rug, which um, the First Lady designs the rug uh, in this case, um, and the president decides the decor, like I mentioned, the, the famous Resolute desk. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a very unique, very unique place. Did you have, I'm sure you had moments too, where you kind of saw, and, and I'm not asking you to divulge this necessarily, but like personal, like family moments even, right? I mean, you were in very intimately involved in the president's daily life. I mean, were there times when, you know, the first lady or one of the president's, uh, you know, daughters would come in and. And, uh, you know, just you, he went from being the official, the president to that private moment on, on a moment's notice. Exactly. And, and, and President Bush allowed me. He really trusted my presence um, in terms of photographing those private moments. 
you know, not only as commander chief, but as a, as a father, as a husband, as a dog owner, uh, as a son, um, you know, one of the first moments on the very first day, that historic moment of he and his father standing in the Oval Office for the first time, you know, only yeah. the second son of a president to become president. And, uh, and even anytime his father would visit, to me, it was like this magical moment, you know, that these two presidents standing together, you know, they look so alike, you know, yeah. really, really uh, drew my attention. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, anytime anyone personal, any family or friends, I would kind of saunter into the office and kind of judge. And, and then I would almost had too much access because access, because I would always leave early just to give him time to be alone with, with his family. Um, but I would always, you know, try to try to take an opportunity to, to make an image and then leave. You know, I'd, I'd actually forgotten about that before the interview, just about the special nature of George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush, you know, both being president of the United States. You talked about that moment. I remember that photograph. Uh, I, I guess you might, you took that photograph of of them right after the president was sworn in uh, and, you know, being in the Oval Office. What uh, what was 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 that like? I mean, was that imagine did did George H. W. Bush give his son any advice that you can tell us? <laughs> he pointed out where the uh, where the private bathroom was. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "That room is very important, right over there." <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he really it was a very traditional relationship. You know, I I never heard him giving any giving him, him any serious advice. I think it was all about supporting his son. Um, and anytime he would visit, you know, he would always go uh, walk around and it was always like a reunion because he always had uh, uh, friends and staff that he knew from the past. So people would always kind of show up to visit with him. And then he would always have a, a private lunch with his father. And, and, and um, it, you know, it was always, like I said, this, this really magical moment. I mean, one of the things I learned early on is whenever you say Mr. President, they both turn around. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, you know, referring to him as President 41 and President 43 always helped. Yeah, there you go. That, that's really fascinating uh, stuff. And, you know, George H.W. Bush kind of struck me as he got older. He seemed to get more emotional about his family. And, you know, just I think I think people do that, particularly men tend to get that way. I think they get a little bit more emotional about things. And I could see that in him. I mean, his voice would crack sometimes when he thought and it seemed like he truly loved, you know, his family for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I saw a lot of the family uh, during those eight years. Every year at Camp David, the entire family would gather uh, for Christmas at Camp David. And I would always take a, a family group photo. Uh, I was always like rounding up cats because they're always you know, running around. Um, <laughs> but um, but but yeah, he was very proud of his son. And you can see it every every day that they were together. Yeah. One of the things uh, I've been around lots of people who I guess were famous or political leaders and stuff. And I, I remember telling one one time I said, you know what? You are what people see. Like you're not different behind a closed door from who you appear to be on television. Would you say that was the truth with George W. Bush? I would say for the most part it was. Um, to be honest, I think it was more relaxed behind the scenes mm -hmm. when he had the opportunity to to be off the record. Um, you know, every president has um, a, 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 a weakness, you know, and I think I think the prepared statement <laughs> in front of a camera was probably one of his weaknesses. But but behind the scenes, he really connected with people on a, on a whole different level. And he had a whole different experience with President Bush behind the scenes. Um, 
And uh, that's one of the things I observed. Uh, and maybe you've already answered this by giving me some of the examples that you just gave. But what were what were some of your favorite moments with the president? Well, um, I think one of the most funniest moments for me, um, one of my first visits to the ranch, um, it was very hot, very hot spring day. Um, the president loved getting out in the heat and walking or mountain biking or cutting cedar, which would grow like weeds on the ranch. And I wasn't prepared. I was still wearing my my wool suit, you know, and um, <laughs> and my hard shoes. And and then and I said, and the president said, I'm going to go for a walk, you know. Um, and I said, well, I'm not really prepared for that. And he said, well, follow me. So I follow him into his his closet and he gives me a T-shirt that belonged to him, you know, a size too small, <laughs> but I wore it and a pair of shorts <laughs> that I guess was from some summit because they had all these flags on it. And, um, and so I had that on during the walk and I, I still had hard shoes. So I had to, you know, suffer wearing those. But, uh, but uh, the funny thing is I, I should have fo- photographed myself in that situation, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, so I think that was pretty funny. Yeah. That, that is fascinating. Did, did, are there pictures that I'm, how many, first of all, how many pictures do you think you took of the president? I mean, that might be hard to well, even estimate. Myself, I took over a million photos wow. during the eight years. And this is uh, half the term, uh, half of the eight years was uh, film. And I directed the White House to digital, which you know we I definitely would take more pictures in the digital era. Sure. Um, and that was the most important part of the job was was maintaining that that photo archive, an archive that we would hand to the National Archives for the Presidential Library. Um, and uh, over the eight years, my entire staff, which would photograph the First Lady, the Vice President, we took over four million photos wow. during those eight years. So it was a huge archive uh, towards the end. Are every single one of those photos in that, or were there some that that have never been released or not been seen? Uh, there are a ton that haven't been seen. Matter of fact, every frame, even all the outtakes, are considered a presidential record. So it's all in the archive. Even even photos of our feet loading the camera, <laughs> it's all called, it's all part of the archive. Yeah. Wow, that that is fascinating. Did the, did the, you take some of maybe the president and one of his daughters or? Uh, the president and the first lady that he just really liked and you know either kept or or used in the Oval Office? Yeah, he loved uh, – I used to put together a book, and I called it Photos of the Week, because he one day he asked me, you know, you follow me around, and what do you do with all these photos? You know, because he had, had, had time to see them. So I I um, I, I create a, a, what I call Photos of the Week, and I would bring this book of photos, mostly personal photos, some official photos, some trip photos, and he would ask me to bring it in to the Oval Office desk every time he'd see me bring it up. And I would always make sure it was it was a, around the time he had some downtime. And he would look through the pictures and pick pictures that he would want me to print, you know, pictures for his family, pictures for the daughters, pictures for his friends, official photos, uh, uh, photos that would go along with personal letters of people he, he had met. And he really enjoyed that, uh, having that photo. Uh, to you know, document that 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 meeting. So uh, yeah, he really enjoyed that. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about September 11th, uh, the day of the terrorist attacks on the United States. Every American who was you know uh, an adult during that time can remember exactly where they were. I'm sure you remember exactly where you were. Were you with with the president at the at the school when that happened? I was. I was. I'll never forget. 
learning about when the first plane hit the first tower. And I was sitting next to Ari Fleischer during the motorcade to the school. And he said, uh, oh, my God, a plane hit the, the World Trade Center. And everyone in the car thought, you know, it was a tragic accident. We didn't know it was a passenger plane. We thought it was a small, maybe Cessna or something. And um, and then seeing the president's face change when Andy Card walked up to him and whispered in his ear, I, I still didn't know what was going on in terms of an attack happening. Um, and I knew something was wrong, though. And it wasn't until uh, I followed the president out of the classroom into the hold room adjacent to the classroom, and there was a TV with the live pictures of the burning towers. And I was just frozen with watching that image, thinking to myself, this is, this is going to be a big day. I didn't know how big, but I knew I had, to, I had to keep the president in my sights the entire day and not miss any moments from that moment on. And I was waiting for the president to stop and look at that screen like everyone else was frozen watching that live picture, but he didn't. He, he grabbed a notepad and he started to write down um, his, to collect his thoughts and the facts uh, because he knew he had to make a statement to the president, I mean, to the nation and to the world in response to the, to the attacks. And, uh, and it wasn't until uh, a few moments later when the president was sitting um, in a classroom that was made for fifth graders at this small table with a small chair and, um, and um, they were replaying the second tower getting hit and the president turns and I made a photo of him looking at that image of the tower exploding uh, that, that, that's burned to everyone's memory. And I thought that moment was key for him to recognize that. Yeah, that that is incredible. What do you, can you tell us? What the president? Were you there when he was basically told that a second plane had had hit yeah, the tower? I was, in, I was in the classroom, watching and, that happen. And what was his reaction? I guess he was told that during the by yeah. Andrew Card, right? That was right. what he, Andrew Card told him. Exactly, and he was reading to the children at the same yeah. time. Um, and you can see his expression yeah. change. You can see him thinking. Uh, about what what Andy Carr just told him, and um, and I, I can't imagine what was going through his mind, especially sitting in front of these children watching their faces. And he calmly, um, you know, read a little more to the children, and then calmly left the classroom, and and he got to work. You know, he was really focused on getting information, and everything was focused on New York. You know, no one knew what was to come. Yeah. Um, you know, we when we left the school. That motorcade ride was like, I think the motorcade was going 80 miles an hour to the airport. And during that motorcade, the, uh, the Pentagon had been hit. Um, uh, the, the White House was evacuated. The vice president was evacuated to a secure location. Um, and the entire U.S. airspace had been shut down during, just during that motorcade ride when we showed up to the airplane. And um, it was just uh, like documenting a nightmare on, on my end. Um, but I knew... I, I had to focus on the president's emotions and I'm, I'm not my emotions. So it, it was really um, very intense. Yeah, that I, I, I can't even imagine uh, being uh, for every American that's kind of seared in their memory. What happened that that morning uh, for so many folks, but for you and for, you know, the president, that's incredible. As I recall, uh, Air Force One. Uh, took off and and just flew for a while. Correct? Just it didn't it didn't yeah. go and land anywhere. It flew for a while. Yeah, we we didn't know where we were headed. You know, we I later learned that the pilot took us uh, around the Gulf of Mexico. We were just kind of flying around in circles, and and the discussion aboard the plane uh, was turning to the president's safety. And the, the president was 
really adamant. He really wanted to get back to Washington. And matter of fact, I, I, one of the first few uh, images aboard the plane, he was talking to Andy Card. He's literally having an argument with Andy Card because he was telling him, you know, I'm going back to Washington. And Andy Card was trying to tell him, no, it's not safe. And then later, uh, a group meeting with the Secret Service, with the, uh, the, the, the presidential military aide, again, telling him that it was not safe to return to Washington and that we were headed to Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana, you know, secure location for him. Um, and that was the frustration he had the entire day was not to return to Washington. You know, later on we did, but he knew that he didn't want to look like he was on the run. He wanted to look like he was in control, that he was leading from the Oval Office. Wow. How about you? How about your emotions during that? I mean, did you experience fear? Did you, what, I mean, what, what was your emotions? Cause here you are with the leader of the free world. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever he was experiencing, you were likely to experience as well. Yeah. I mean, lucky for me, I, I, I was focused on, uh, focusing on his emotions and on my emotions. You know, one of the things, um, aboard the plane, when we, uh, we left Florida, walking up the stairs at the, uh, at the entrance to the plane, Andy Card, our chief of staff, was telling everyone to remove their batteries from their phones. And he said, you know, we don't want to be tracked. And that was the first time I thought, you know, maybe we could be a target. You know, and it's always wow. strange being around uh, the U.S. president because you have, you know, the most number one target in the world, but the most protected. So it was really this kind of this strange feeling all the time. You know, the president really tried to rally everyone on the airplane. I remember him walking down the aisle of the plane as we took off and he said, you know, boys, this is what they pay us for. And he was really trying to rally everyone aboard the plane. Wow. There's a picture that I vividly remember. And I imagine you took this photo. It's of the, of president Bush looking out the window on September 11th, uh, very contemplatively looking out the window, I think as the plane was circling. Did you take that photo? Yes. Um, yeah, I took several pictures, uh, including um, the picture of, Looking out the window, looking at the um, the fighter jets that were escorting Air Force One, um, and, uh, and everyone was trying to get a look at that because they're they're almost literally touching the wings of Air Force One as we approached um, Washington D.C. And uh, you know, one of my personal stories during the time, my, my wife had just moved to D.C. five days prior to 9/11, and she didn't have a job yet, so I knew she was home, um, but I hadn't been talked to her the entire day. But they finally allowed us to, to call from the airplane as we were approaching um, Andrews Air Force Base. I remember her voice, and I said, my first words to her were, honey, I'm going to be a little late tonight. And I can hear, you know, uh, crying through, through her, her tears or, or through her laughter. But, uh, but yeah, it was definitely a very, uh, a very emotional day for everyone, uh, you know, a day that everyone remembers what they were, where they were and what they did. Wow. Just such a unique perspective. That you had there as a photographer, I think your mindset's focused on capturing, you know, that the moment, no matter what the moment is. Did you ever get a moment on 9-11 to kind of process all of that and what was happening? No, it was all uh, just kind of running and gunning um, again, just just focusing on the president. And it took me a long time to process the, that entire week because there was so much work to do to document the president and, and logistically to follow him everywhere and not miss a moment. Um, and, and it took me, I mean, even, even today, I'm still processing, you know, telling, retelling these stories, you know, remembering little tidbits here and there, yeah. uh, because of the fact that I didn't 
have the ability to really process, have the time to process it because I was so busy documenting the president. Yeah. Wow. So the president, um, I can't remember if it was a couple days later when the president went to ground zero in New York. Was it maybe two days later? Uh, it was, was that uh, right? September 14th. September 14th. So three days later. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a, there was that moment where he, he stood up, got the bullhorn and said, uh, you know, the, soon the whole world will hear us. There was a full circle moment with the gentleman that shouted, uh, we can't hear you. That he said to the president, um, tell us what happened there. So, yeah, the, you know, the president was um, wading through hundreds of firefighters and they were, um, they were tired, um, uh, emotionally, you know, no survivors are being found. It was just a horrific uh, feeling, but they, you can tell they wanted the president to do something. You know, they were like saying, go get him, George. Um, um, and then when the president stood on the rubble, which later I found out he was standing on a flattened fire truck. Um, <laughs> And the president stood there and a, and a staffer handed him the bullhorn and he started speaking to the bullhorn. And there were firefighters in the very back that were screaming, um, one particular firefighter who was screaming, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And that's what prompted the famous line. I can hear you. And the people who knocked these buildings down, we hear from all of us soon. Um, uh, and then all the firefighters erupted in cheer and they're saying, USA, USA. And I remember, you know, a lot of times I didn't know I was photographing a historic moment, but I knew that was historic, you know, that feeling of being there at that time. And then that firefighter that shouted, I can't hear you, uh, about uh, two years later, uh, I met that firefighter at a at a rally, campaign rally at a baseball field in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania. And he was screaming, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. And I looked at him and goes, really? And he told me that he was he was there, he was retired at, at now, um, and and I said, you know what, I, I've got to get you back to meet the president. And I did, you know, I got him backstage, and he's he's meeting the president, um, a very emotional meeting. Um, the firefighter said, you know, Mr. President, uh, you know, you've changed my life. My son's going to West Point, and the president stopped him and he said, you know what, no, you changed my life. And so, you know, being there for eight years, I, I was able to watch a lot of. A lot of full circle moments like that. Wow. What, what an amazing story. And what, a, what an opportunity. I mean, you really have been blessed to live the life you have, uh, all because maybe you had the courage for that one moment to, to say, hey, I want this job to the, to the incoming president, right? Courage or, uh, or ignorance. I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> Sometimes courage and ignorance are one and the same. I think, yeah. Eric. <laughs> but that. I mean, really, what an amazing story in life uh, you've lived, and thank you for sharing it with us. I, I really appreciate. It. I mean, heck, we probably would love to have you come back at some point and maybe maybe do another episode. I'm sure you just have so much. Uh, information and 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 uh, great stories to share, but we really do appreciate you taking the time uh, to share that with us. Great, I'd I love to come back. Thank you very much. Okay, well, listen. I mean, what what a what an amazing opportunity Eric had, right, to be with the president of the United States, be the White House photographer, but to to witness nine eleven and September eleventh and the attacks and the president's response to those attacks. I mean, that, that, that is certainly a view of history that many of us will never get to see. So it's so great to have Eric 
share that with us. And, you know, at that moment, we saw a president go to work to defend liberty, to defend, defend freedom, to defend the United States of America and our country and fight back. And he, he talked about how steel eyed he was when he found out the news and to get right to work and start jotting down his thoughts. You know, we're at a moment in history always just like that as individuals. Liberty and freedom can be taken from us in a moment's notice. It almost happened on September 11th, but for the resolve of people like George W. Bush and every American who went and fought and defended liberty and freedom. Don't take liberty and freedom for granted. Go out there, defend freedom, defend liberty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com. Potential.com.